Yeah, Lord, that's what we sing. We sing praise Adonai, praise the Lord, praise you, God, for um, your grace that you only display, that you only express, and that you only uh, funnel through Jesus Christ, Lord God. Um, I pray today, Lord God, as we have gathered in your name for your way of thinking and your way of doing things that, that has rallied us, that has scattered us during the week, but gather us on Sundays to gather together and to celebrate uh, you and to hear your mind dispatched. So in light of that, let the words of my mouth, God, and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord God, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that say? Everybody agree with that say? Amen, amen, amen. If you got your Bibles, which I hope you do, uh, you know where we at, Ephesians. We're in Ephesians. We're just going through it um, line by line, precept upon precept. Um, and we're walking through the idea of who am I? Say, who am I? Yeah, that's a very important thing that every person has to answer. Um, um, but who you are is is very deeply connected um, to who you're connected to. And so in light of that reality, we've been going through Ephesians, talking about the identity of the Christian, the identity of the Christian. What, what does it mean to be a Christian? And of course, we've been going through here, we know that Paul is not writing because there's any type of fight going on, there's no type of doctrinal dispute going on in Ephesus, but um, he's, he's writing a just because letter to them, but, but this just because don't sleep on it. It's, it's beautiful weightiness in it, but it's also beautiful application in it. So we've been in verses um, 1 through, uh, not verse 1, verses 15 through 23. We've been in that for the last few weeks, and um, this, this week we're on verse 18b. Actually, it's the C section of verse 18. That's what we're going to pick up at. And, 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 and this is very, very important because what, you're about, what we're about to dive into is a, is a beautiful explanation of why we've been talking about what we've been talking about the last few weeks. As we've been talking about this idea of uh, the identity of the Christian, one of the things that we as Christians have to struggle with is already, not yet. Say already? Not yet. Yes, yeah, see, 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 there are things that Christ has already brought to us positionally. However, practically, they're not all a reality yet in our everyday function. Are you with me? And so today, we, 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 remember we've been talking about identified as intimate. And we talked about how get, get, getting saved is taken care of. You don't have to do anything in relation to that. However, when it comes to intimacy, uh, you have to fight for intimacy. So, so Paul is going after he talks about the triune God from verses 1 to 14. Then he dives in to a prayer, a legendary prayer, praying for the Christians and praying for their level of intimacy and depth in their relationship with God. Then we got to um, around verse 18. It says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. He says that, that's the purpose of intimacy now. That's a purpose clause here, that you may know, this is what intimacy is for, that you may know the hope, what, uh, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, that's number one. 
that you may know the hope to which he's called you. We talked about that last week. Hope. We talked about the centrality of hope as one of the three pillars of Christianity based on 1 Corinthians 13, the last verse, faith, hope, love. We talked about hope being the visionary picture of an alternative future uh, displayed by God in Christ. All right? So now we're on the second part of why God wants us intimate with him, walking in intimacy with him. What, what is the purpose of intimacy? Not just warm fuzzies, not just tears, not just I felt his presence, but there is a point to all of that. It says right here in the latter part of this, which we're going to spend most of our time in, it says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, in the heavenly places. So, so, today, so today, as we talk about this idea of identity, we're going to use as a topic, identity fulfilled already, but not yet. Identity fulfilled already, but not yet. In realizing this, he, he uses deeply temporal language here that helps us to get on with him in relation to the beauty of what it means to be intimate with God and how that impact impacts every Christian. There is an expectation, though, that every Christian is intimate with the Lord. That's, that's an expectation. There is no such thing as dormant Christianity, where you get to hang out, chill, wild out how you want to, but don't nurture in-depth community with the God who bought you. All right? So right here, it's booming. He says, he zooms in, and we're going to spend a lot of time on this. He says, he says, he says what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So therefore, first point, intimacy with Christ focuses, focuses, sorry, synthesis, <laughs> focuses us on our worth to God. Intimacy with Christ focuses us on our worth to God. It's interesting here that he, that, that, that he begins talking about, first he talks about the hope that was passed, yet it's going to come to pass, okay? Now he talks about intimacy. Now he talks about our inheritance. Now, our, this, this is where he's going future now. He's going big picture future when everything is ultimately under the Lord Jesus Christ. God's visionary picture is that Christ would rule everything. His visionary picture is his tatted son with a linen outfit on, uh, kicking behind on earth, removing every blasted enemy that is against the will of God, the mindset of God, and his passion, hanging out with his crew eternally, chilling with him forever. Crazy stuff. Madness, we would say, right? However, that's a future reality that we don't necessarily get to bask in right now. That's why intimacy is a fight. So he says, he says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, 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 now most of the time in the New Testament, most of the time in the New Testament, inheritance is really spoken of as a future idea, and it's also spoken of in relation to what we inherit from the Lord. In other words, the inheritance is everything that you're going to get from God when he consummates salvation. And I'll chop up that meaning in a second. Stay with me, because we're going somewhere with all this. But i got to build a theological foundation. Acts chapter 20, verse 32 says something beautiful. It says, and now I command you to God, commend you to God and to the word of his grace 
which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's an inheritance that is to come that is a inheritance that hasn't been fulfilled. 1 Peter 1.4 says to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade, reserved for you in heaven. So you don't have that inheritance. The inheritance is a nice closet waiting for each and every Christian. All right? So every Christian, that's why Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, ego I me, there you may be also. So he's going to prepare the inheritance for us. So Jesus right now is chilling, building up the inheritance that we're going to get when everything gets shut down on planet Earth and rebooted. All right? So then we go to Revelation 21, 7, one of my favorites. It said, he who overcomes will inherit these things. Everything from verses 1 to 6. And he says, and I will be his God and he will be my son. So our inheritance is always future. Our inheritance is the total fulfillment of all of God's promises to his people in Christ. Inheritance is, 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 the, is the total fulfillment of all God's promises to his people in Christ. And I know some of y'all are struggling with inheritance because most of us in here don't even know what that means. See, if you grew up like I did, you knew your parents weren't leaving you nothing. Y'all laughing, but I'm telling you the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, ain't like I got houses waiting on me, a business deal, nothing. It's just like, son, I did all I can. Pap, pap, grace and peace out the door. You know what I'm saying? 18 was like freedom for the hood parent. You know what I'm saying? You grew up in the hood. 18 is like, I ain't got nothing for you. You know what I'm saying? All I got is you can use my lack of credit and how poor I am to get money. Okay? So if you need, you know what I'm saying? So y'all know if you're in college, you know what I'm saying? You know if your parents made like a dollar too much, you are hot in the financial aid office. That calls having no inheritance, all right? Uh, you know what I'm saying? And so, and so those of us, we, we, we hated how hard it was growing up. But then when you get to college and you're able to get loot because of how hard it was, you're like, that paid off for something, all right? So I, know it's a little, so I know it's a little hard right now, you know what I mean, to really understand and really to connect to the idea of inheritance. But I want you to know that even though your parents left you nothing or even though your parents left you something, guess what? It doesn't compare to the inheritance that God has for you in Christ. Nothing, nothing, nothing compares to that reality. So throughout the New Testament, inheritance is connected to what the believer receives from God through Christ. Also, it is deeply related to the identity of those who are saved. One of the things that the New Testament authors would use throughout the New Testament is your identity and your inheritance as a motivation for how you relate to God, the world, and others now. Okay? Let me explain that. So when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, when you look at those verses, in 1 Corinthians, they were wilding out. I mean, they weren't doing jack right. Um, most people would say these were probably far from the peaceful shore of being a Christian. But what's interesting about Paul's communication with them, in chapter 1, he assumes that there are evidences of grace on their life. But listen to what Paul says. They were having sex at that moment in time. Men were uh, sleeping with prostitutes at this point in time when he wrote the level, le letter. There was deep, there was fighting. 
There was backbiting. There was disregard for the Lord. It was all types of stuff. But look at, uh, I'll read chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. He says, do you not know that the righteous, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither, neither the uh, sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice uh, homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen, to, now this statement blindsides me right here. Such were some of you. Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Paul. Hold on. They're doing this right now, and he's trying to encourage them based on a future inheritance about what they're actually doing is not a part of who they've been called to be as Christians. So he's saying you're living substandard functionally in your life because you weren't saved to act like that. He said you were saved with a particular purpose in mind that God has in mind, and therefore such were some of you. Wow. Why? Because positionally their identities have been changed through them trusting in Christ alone, by faith alone, through grace alone. So positionally, they have been snatched out of functionally being identified positionally as any of those ideals that were placed in that passage. So Paul is talking to them, trying to convince them to walk based on the salvation that they will walk with. And so here in over in Ephesians, he, he, he's trying to get that same idea out by, in, by using the future inheritance as a motivation. But it's very important for us to understand this. So therefore, right here in this passage, we are standing on the very character of God. But yet, here it does not speak of our inheritance in Ephesians. Notice what it says in Ephesians. So I had to let you know what your inheritance looks like. But look at what it says in Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 18c. It says, what are... The riches of whose glorious inheritance? His. Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. God has an inheritance? How does the one who owns everything, rules everything, runs everything going to inherit something? Now, now in, 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 in order for you to be dumbfounded by that, you got to understand fully what an inheritance is. An inheritance is the promise and the full delivery of something that is rightfully someone's into his or her possession. Inheritance is the promise and the full delivery of something that is rightfully someone's into his or her possession. So therefore, the Bible is talking about this being God's inheritance. In other words, the thing that motivates us to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what he's trying to get them to do. The thing that our, uh, the, a result of our intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ should be motivated by God's inheritance where? In the saints. Now, this is what's beautiful about this, is that right now, God hasn't received the full inheritance of his possession based on him buying us. In other words, every reason why he's bought us isn't a practical reality for him either. Why? Because Revelation 21 hasn't happened. 
So since Revelation 21 hasn't happened and there are mad barriers in, listen, in the way of us being able to be eternally intimate, there are barriers in the way of that. So he's saying, I want you to look forward to the day when God gets to enjoy you for eternity. See, see, God, see, see, what, what's happening now is the barriers, sin, death, Satan, and a fallen world have to be removed, and you got to get a new body so you can really experience it. It's going to be in triple HD, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you're going to have new spirit, Klakowski, all up in you. You know, you brand spanking new, no sin in the way. Nothing. No eyeballing chicks, no, man, I want to hit some, nah, ain't none of that going to be up in the mix. Then you're going to have a new body that can withstand the glory of God without being destroyed. And you'll have eyes that will be adjusted to heaven's frequency to be able to look at God and be able to fully enjoy him without anything in the way that make you have to pray to enjoy him. You won't have to pray no more because the one you pray to is already right there. You know what I'm saying? So the barriers have to be removed. So God is waiting. Let me see if I can make this plan. My, my, my grandmother, you know what I'm saying, had, you know, great relationships with different ones of us. God bless her soul. She was, she's born in Clinton, South Carolina, country, you know what I'm saying. Uh, you know, uh, her, she didn't like bank accounts. She liked stockings, all right? So she used stockings to save her money. See, I missed half the congregation, but some of my salt and peppers know what I'm talking about, all right? But, 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 but grandma would, would, would have hated if you did. You don't never call me. I don't like, but we're in a relationship, but she mad if you don't call her and you, you got a bad rap with her. But one thing she always looked forward to, the family reunion. Whenever the family reunion came, Negroes and Jokers, I said it, that never come around, that's wilding all the time, would make it to the family reunion. And when everybody was at the family reunion and she just sat back beside the potato salad and the pound cake. You know what I'm saying? And looked around at the entire family. She enjoyed having us all together as a family, even if it's only one time a year or once every two years. Well, God the Father is like grandmama. He's waiting eternally to have the eternal family reunion of Christians past, present, and future. And we'll all get to hang out together. He's going to sit on his throne because Revelation 21 says, and the tabernacle of God will be among men. Therefore, the heavens and the earth, heavens and the earth based on 2 Peter chapter 3, listen, will burn with intense heat. Then boom, then a new heavens and a new earth going to repair. That's going to be crazy. Now, like it's going to just appear. Then Jerusalem going to come down. We're going to be like, dang, ready made city. I'm ready to walk in. I'm going to be standing like this on the outside. Bring it on down. Bring it on down. I'm going to be right there. Then I'm going to walk right up in the thing. And I get to enjoy. We get to enjoy past, present, and future. The living God. Listen, and the wine in heaven, you can drink as much as you want and you won't get drunk. Because your body will have a high tolerance. Somebody ought to hear me. And, and so, I, I know you hear me, Pastor Doug. And so, and so, and so, the, and so God, listen, listen, God, God is, God is waiting. He's passionate about barriers in our lives being out of the way. He says, a motivation for our intimacy. When you're intimate with God, it gives you a sneak preview of what it's going to be like to be with him forever without any of the barriers that are in the way of your ability. Your mind is a barrier. Some of us can't pray without, what, what, I need some milk. Some, oh, Lord, thank you for, man, it's hot in here. God, I honor you today. Man, it stinks. Man, God, y'all know I'm telling the truth. That's, that's barriers. 
barriers. And the, and the hope is, listen, the hope based on the Bible is God wants us to zoom in and enjoy right now what it's going to look like when there's nothing in the way of our relationship. When there's not, somebody that's married understand what it's like to have ma- relational barriers, especially men. You know what I'm saying, man, when you want intimacy, you want to make sure that there ain't no barriers in the way. Let's remove, see, only the husbands can understand me right now. You don't want nothing in the way because, listen, with, 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 I'm going to just teach a single brother something. Listen, listen, doc. If she asks you to do something at 8 o'clock in the morning, this is for free. This is just an illustration, though. At 8 o'clock in the morning, and it's, it's 10 p.m., and you're ready to be intimate, but the 8 o'clock in the morning ask wasn't done, you're going to struggle to be able to have intimacy because that's going to be a barrier. But what's beautiful about when we get to spend eternity with God is all of the barriers for intimacy will be removed. All, every single barrier. Now, now, now guess, what the, guess what another barrier is going to be removed? You. <laughs> you and I being a barrier to our relationship with God through Christ will be removed. And therefore, our potential for freedom to be able to fully enjoy him comprehensively without anything in the way is going to be a beautiful thing forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Second Thess. 1.12 says, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This glory they're talking about, the glorification in him, mutual glory is the beauty of the inheritance that we'll get. Second, 1 Corinthians 12.24-26 through 26 says, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule, every authority, every power, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed will be death. Death is the final barrier that is between us and the Lord Jesus Christ. So how does this impact our identity? God the Father is waiting to enjoy all his children from all times together. He is looking forward to being with us more than we are looking forward to being with him. (laughs) Saladat. If you think you desire something that's good, if God is eternal and from everlasting to everlasting and he's wanting something to happen, no matter how much you want it to happen, God wants it from infinitude to infinitude more than you would ever think. You can't even imagine how bad God wants to spend eternity with us outside of the barriers. You can't even imagine it. I, 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 and this should get you, this should help you with your depression. If you're easily depressed, you need to learn how to look forward to something instead of nurturing yourself in your funky depression and self-worship. Because that's really some of it what it is. Everybody ain't clinically depressed. Now, we got some clinically depressed folk in our lives. But some of us are just self-induced depressees. And so God is saying, I want you to look forward to something. I want you to look forward to the hope. I want you to look forward to inheritance. Then, next thing he says, which is beautiful, brings us to our next point. He says, and what, verse 19, is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. Good gracious a lot. Like, that's a tongue twister. 
Now, the word for, there are three words for power being used here, which brings us to our next point. Intimacy with Christ focuses us to fight the enemies of the cross. <laughs> Intimacy with Christ focuses us to fight the enemies of the cross. All of those barriers that we talked about, sin, death, Satan, fallen world, us, unredeemed, all of those things are enemies of the cross. They fight against the redemption that Jesus Christ bought for us to have on the, uh, through him, okay? So what, he, what he's saying here, though, is he's saying, I want the result of intimacy with me to also point to this, uh, 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 point to this. What is the immeasurable greatness? This is what I want you zooming in on, that you may know it, of his power toward us who believe. This, this is a real simple, now, now we saw that the hope that he wants us to zoom in on, stay with me, he, the hope that he wants us to zoom in on is past, but with future impact and present impact, okay? The inheritance is future, but this statement here is in the present tense. This means what he wants us fighting and working on right now, okay? This, this is what we should be doing right now. If you're a Christian, if you're blood-bought, this is your functional meditation based on your intimacy with God that should drive you every single day, that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us, present tense, who believe according, listen to the present tense in this, to the working of his great might. He's talking about the impact of Christ purchasing our identity. He's talking about that right now and what it looks like to fight the power of those barriers. Sin in your life now is not an option. What do I mean by that? You don't have to sin now. You don't have to. Because the text is saying, we, he, has, look at all, he has all of this power that he's invested in us to fight. Okay, let me, let me make it plain. Now, I told my wife, y'all going to have to pray for me. I told my wife, you know, we, we just moved, closing the house Friday. And I told my wife, you know, and I said it in the backyard, loud. I said, break in my house if you want. I said, in the basement, it's going to be something waiting for you. In the bedroom, it's going to be something waiting for you. In the bathroom, it's going to be something waiting for you. In other words, I was talking about being strapped. Now, I believe I can protect my family. I know y'all going to look at me like I'm crazy. But come in my house if you want to. One of my roles as shepherd of my house, if Jesus protects his family and I'm supposed to be like him, we'll talk about it in chapter 5, but you break up and try to get at my family. Amen, praise God, hallelujah, in 11 languages, all right? So what I'm trying to do, so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to develop some immeasurable power. Now I'm just, it, it, toward my household, my wife gonna be at the ring. <laughs> I hope she do it. But she gonna all that. Know why? Because I'm gonna invest immeasurable power into her just in case an enemy of our household tries to get in and she's able to grab hold of that power. <laughs> and she gonna be like, um, you know, one of the put that thing together. Then, listen, I'm just letting you know what it's going I'm just being honest. Now, you can laugh at me and say I'm not a Christian. Okay. But 
we're going to have some night goggles. And I'm going to be standing at the top of the steps when you break in behind the bookcase, giggling. You ain't going to see nothing. They're going to be tiptoeing around. I'm going to be like this. I'm going to put the silencer on the tip of it. I'm going to adjust the electroscope. And I'm going to go. That's going to be. Boom. Boom. What happened? Hey, Ray Ray, let's get out of here. Yeah, because there's some immeasurable power in here. Don't mess with that house because there's power in the house. All I'm trying to tell you in a real funny way is that God has a measurable power that he's blessed you with to snipe sin with. You are a sniper. Yes, you are. You better learn how to use your gun. We're going to talk about it in chapter 6. Verse 18 to the rest of the, I mean, verse 5 to the rest of the chapter. Is this immeasurable power, is great power that God has invested in us in the cross that, listen, that you have to utilize as a Christian. I like the way the NASB says it. It says, and what is the surpassing greatness of the power toward us who believe? There are, these are in accordance with the working of his strength and his might. Power here. Has, it means functional activity that is actually presently functioning in your life. Strength here means it's denoting the possession of force. Strength that affords supreme control over something. It's usually used of God's sovereignty in exercising his ruling ability. Now, I like might. Might is, is a real, real fly word. Real, real fly. Might is, the, the, the point in this current context is the overabundance of power at work in the believer in light of the present working of God's power in us. This power is, of course, in the present sense that God is at work in us to fight against all the enemies of the cross, sin, death, Satan, flesh, world system, us. The things that are in the way of our ability to fully enjoy God are obstacles. But don't make our community with him obsolete. See, many of you give up too easily. God has invested a lot of power into you. Many of you are on the fringes of the Christian life right now because you're tired of fighting. But you were born a guerrilla soldier. You were born to fight. There, there is no vacation from fighting the enemies of God. I'm sorry. I know you put in for your time off at work and you thought your vacation was going to be a real, real fun time and some stuff still happened, didn't it? Why? Because you, you can take a vacation from your job, but you can't take a vacation away from your eternal vocation. <laughs> There's no vacation. There's no such thing as retiring from Christianity. There's no such thing as a break. There is always an enemy. He stalks you. He's stalking you, watching you. He's a master psychologist trying to get at you. And you better have coasters on, secret joint up in here. You better be ready to get it in. Because, and, and, and listen, you're not doing it in your own strength. You're doing it in the strength of the one who invested the power into you. So all you're doing is walking in your identity as a biblical soldier. This is the, what the immeasurable power is for. So therefore, he has given us power in Christ that helps us to fight the obstacles to enforce connectivity and unity with the Father. These are some other verses that help you to understand that you don't have to submit to sin. 
You don't have to submit to sin. Okay? Romans 6, 12. It says, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin. That means know yourself. Some of us don't know ourselves, but we say, since the power is towards us, I can put myself in any situation that's going to cause me to wild out. Listen, like I told y'all from the beginning of this church plan, let me tell you something. I, I, know my, I know me. So there are things that I have to roadblock. My, I have to barricade a do not enter sign. I have to nail uh, uh, two by fours across different areas of the, of the planet because I know that if it's available, I'm going to wild out. Now, some of y'all don't think y'all going to wild out because you think you are beef in your holiness. That's why you keep falling in it, because you think you are beefy. You think you are beastie. You think what you know is going to help you, but when you get into it, you see what you know is supposed to let you know that you're not supposed to be dumb enough to be around what you know is your kryptonite. See, that's the power of the cross. The power of the cross isn't for you to say, let me get as close as I can to say, let me see how strong the cross is. How strong is the cross? Keep doing it. And the cross is not going to be with you because you're not functioning in the realm of the cross. See, that's why you take up your cross. See, when you try to get near stuff, you're putting down your cross. See, but the cross tells you he died for that, so I don't need to get around that. See, that's why I'm telling you, I have, to, I have my wife manually block channels. I was like, block them. Block them. Clack up. I don't even know the code. I don't get her hypnotized or nothing so she can tell me the code nothing. Listen. L listen. And, and listen, if you are not honest with your ability to wild out, you are going to wild out. And you can't ignore it. It's not going to go away. Therefore, the power of the cross gives you the ability to walk away from it and to push it away and say, I'm not even going to be in the vicinity of it. <laughs> I like the way the next part of the verse says, it says, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. 1 Corinthians 9, 26. I'm just going to read. You don't have to turn. So I do not aim run, uh, uh, run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. <laughs> I remember when I was in school, uh, uh, elementary school, Dude was, you know, telling me at 3 o'clock he going to do like this to me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. See, y'all ain't never had that with a dude go like this. And so, and so he was all out in the hallway because he got put out of class. You know, he going like this in the hallway. You know what I'm saying? They say, E, he going to get you out of the class. I said, yeah, we'll see. I said, um, he's boxing the air. He's not boxing me yet. He's just aimlessly doing all this. You know, that don't mean nothing. That's just showing off with the fight that you're not in yet. Paul says, I'm not an air boxer with my Christian life. I'm not just showing off, going on like this, doing, doing, come on, and all that kind of carrying on. He said, I ain't doing all that. He said, what do I do? He said, I discipline my body. He said, I don't, he said, I don't beat at the air. I, 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 you know, I do my two-a-days. 
See, my two days, see, your two days is your intimacy stuff. <laughs> and he said, he says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. This is not before the fight. This is while he's in the fight. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Second Peter chapter one, verse four, he says, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Functionally, we are in the world, but we have escaped it because we have been insulated, not isolated from sin. First Peter 2.11. I know I'm giving you a lot of verses, but you need them. First Peter 2.11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh or fleshly lust, which wage war against your soul. In a fallen world, you are in a fight. And lustful passions are not just sexual passions. It's anything that's a desire substandard of God's redemptive desires for his people. Remember, Paul wanted their hearts to be enlightened. That's both mind, emotions, and will. Therefore, he's saying, I, he said, abstain from the things that stir up passionate affections for anything that's opposite or down low before God. So God does not command us to do anything. God does not command us to do anything he has not empowered us to be obedient to. Let me say that again. God does not command us to do anything that he hasn't empowered us to do. Listen, God is not leaving you off as an orphan to fight in the Christian life on your own. He's invested all of this power in you. While you're yet, before you became a Christian, when you became a Christian, and as you walk in being sanctified as a Christian, of beautiful, undefiled investment that God, that God, God is beautiful. He's not the type that's ready to fire you every minute. When you get a job with God, through a relationship with him, he trains you for the task of the job. He doesn't set you up to get fired. He wants us to be set up to walk in the wind that Christ already secured on the cross. So we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from it. So I'm, my, my, my prayer is, is that our intimacy would have focus. That our intimacy will zoom us in on the past hope. Continuing to have a visionary picture of God's eternal future. Not only that, but that we would uh, know uh, his glorious inheritance in the saints. That he's waiting without anything in the way to spend eternity with those he's bought with a price without any of the obstacles in the way. But then, then, I, then I hope that our intimacy also, number three, zooms us in. Zooms us in on the immeasurable greatness of the power that he's put towards us right now. That now we're not in la-la land looking off, waiting for Jesus to crack the sky by doing nothing now. But just looking, I can't wait till he returns. I just can't, I just want to be with Jesus. But you want to live like a fool now? No. We're singing, pick up your weapons and let's get it. Don't punk out in the Christian. Let's get it. Let's get it. If you're struggling with something now, confess it, repent, and let's get it. Let's, let's get it. That, that, that's, the, that's the focus of the thing. We need to get in the fight and begin to work in light of the one who's already worked for us. 
And so my prayer is, and our prayer is, is that no matter how intimate we get with the Lord Jesus Christ, intimacy isn't true intimacy unless those three things are a reality, both past, present, and future. And you must realize that and you must walk in that in order that the work of the Godhead from verses 1 through 14 ain't in vain. That's our prayer today. Father, we thank you for your grace in Christ. We thank you that intimacy has focus. Intimacy has its reasons. Intimacy is supposed to create a depth in us. I can't wait as we go through this book, Lord, as we get to see what the fight looks like. How do we fight? But in order to know how to fight, you got to know your weapons. You got to appreciate the one who bought you, too. You got to know what your identity is. That's what we got to know, God. And I pray, Lord God, as in the next few weeks, as we go through the impact of the resurrection and the impact of Christ's ascension, and then we go through who we were, then we go through the barriers that have been removed. Then we go through the mystery. Then we go through body life. Then we go through full inheritance stuff, walking in the light stuff, walking in true filling, what the true filling of the Holy Spirit looks like. We look at, Lord, marriage, but really looking at Christ's relationship with the church and marriage as an illustration of that. Then we dig in the, digging our boots to get up in this warfare stuff that's very much either ignored or made more of than what it is. So God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that as we walk through these verses, that you would help me, that you would help us to be renewed in our understanding of who we are in Christ so that we can honor and glorify you and maximize it right here on planet Earth. We're excited about being in Christ. We're enthralled by being in Christ. It's the best thing that's ever happened to us. It's the best thing that ever happened to us, Lord God. And help us to recognize the immeasurable value of, of the power that is at work in us currently. Lord God, you've invested too much in us for us to act like you didn't save us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.